alone in Mars, going soft, take off. I did the cost to beat the boss, so I thought, yet my life was tossed to and fro up on the sea of pain. Again, I strained, could not refrain the fear remain. I couldn't make it, couldn't take it, didn't wanna fake it. I had to break it, I was stuck and couldn't shake it. I tried to keep it on the run, but for the life of me, all I got was double trouble, hurt and misery. One day I heard him say, confession, sit there down and break, and he will come with no delay. If he will call, I said, okay. I told him I was sorry for the way I live. He said, send out for every wrong I done, he will forgive. Now no weapon formed against me, no that gets to hell. Can separate me from his love. I'm living swell. He comes highly recommended. If you seek relief, all you need is the desire and your belief. Yes, sir. 
Thank you for taking time out of your day to come through and uh, talk to us a little about about some of the trials and tribulations you're going through. And just like I just said a moment ago, hopefully after the show, some people can take some things away and be better people. And uh, I think that's what we need to write about now. Amen. Yes, sir. Today we got uh, Pastor A.U. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, sir. Um, it's uh, Pastor I.U., uh, like I and you. I, gotcha, gotcha. Pastor I.U. that's uh, joining us, who's a, a, a activist, um, a criminal justice reform and mental health awareness that we're going to be talking about, a former lawyer. And uh, I, I think that I've also read that he's been to... Uh, the house that my mama said that they didn't make for uh, uh, for horses. Um, so mm-hmm. oh, he's the a, big house. <laughs> the big house. Mm-hmm. My mama said, "Well, they didn't build them the things big house, for The horses. big house with small sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't build Absolutely. them for no horses. They built it for they built it for human horses. That's what that's what they, that's how they treat us in there." Yes, sir. Uh, Pastor IU is also uh, I think I mentioned an author. He's also an artist. And uh, oh, just all around good guy, you know. And, and and I think what the most important thing that people need to understand, you know, until you go through some things, you can't really say that you've lived life, you know, because God didn't make any perfect people. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. So I'm gonna give you the platform, sir. I'm gonna let you start it off. Uh, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you got going on in your world. Okay. Well, first I have to give uh, our honor and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for everything that has happened to me in my life. You know, I'm 38 years old right now, and uh, I've lived a life, two lifetimes, I feel like. But, um, you know, I, I just thank him for, you know, being there for me all every step of the way. So I have to give him the honor and the praise. But as for me, um, I could, what I call myself is uh, an artist slash activist slash author because those are like the three parts of me um, that I'm kind of revealing to the world these days. Um, so it's uh, the, the artist side of me. I am a hip-hop artist. Um, primarily, I, I created a new genre called gospel trap. So I take uh, my lyrics. Uh, which are faith-based, and they talk about, you know, my struggles, what I've been through, and they match it with the modern-day trap-style hip-hop beats. And so uh, I released the album March the 1st, right before the pandemic hit, called Pray It to Existence. And that did amazing for for my very first – I mean, I've done other recordings, but I never really released them to the public. I just kind of freestyled in my house and recorded it. But I actually went into the studio and produced this album. It was an EP, about four songs. And uh, it, it got, you know, about thousands of people have streamed it on SoundCloud, on Spotify. Um, the first month I had like 1,500 listeners, and I was like, I didn't even do any real promotion or nothing. Just people kind of found it, and they would, you know, I got a lot of feedback that said, people said, yeah, we need some gospel trap because, you know, people like the secular music, but they don't always want to hear the secular tone. They want to hear something uplifting, and so they thought that was a good idea, so I kept it going. Um, so from that aspect, I, I'm an artist uh, coming with a new genre of music and art. I'm an activist because I believe in uh, criminal justice reform and uh, and mental health awareness because I'm a person that has experienced both things. You know, I'm, you know I was both uh, – defense attorney. I went to Howard University School of Law, and then I, because of um, some issues that I had dealing with bipolar disorder, which I have personally, and uh, substance abuse, primarily marijuana, those two kind of combined to um, make me do things that I probably shouldn't have done. Well, more than likely, shouldn't have done landing me in the big house. Um so I do have a felony on my record, so I guess I can call myself a convicted felon, but I prefer the term returning citizen because, um, you know, convicted felon has all kind of stigma, like, you know, when I'm a bad person. I'm just a, a person that made bad choices, in my opinion. And there's a lot of people like that that I found while I was locked up, a lot of people that are even my friends right now, some good friends that I made from behind the walls 
And uh, what I tell people, too, is that, you know, of course I believe in justice for George Floyd, but if he had lived, he would have gone to the other injustice that we have to worry about, which is the criminal justice system. He would have been locked up. And also face uh, harassment from COs. We don't talk about that enough. What happens behind the walls? Over 100 people um, have died behind the walls from coronavirus, you know, due to the horrible conditions inside America's prisons. So we have to remember that too. So I focus on mental health awareness um, because a lot of the brothers, especially in the African-American community, we suffer from all types of mental illness or the trauma that we go through growing up where we grow up. And now it seems like the world is starting to really pay attention to that. So I want to really focus on, you know, we have to do things not just to stop people, police from shooting us. We have to stop banks from redlining us. We have to stop, um, you know, school systems from malnourishing us and maltreating us and, mal- and malteaching us. You know, we have to focus on all areas and aspects of uh, the black experience in America. And then I'm an author because I just published uh, my book, which is called Home is What You Make It, Poems from Quarantine, where I started off with a brief uh, biography about my life and some of the things that I've done and accomplished in my life. Because a lot of times people think that when you say that you're a, a convicted felon or something like that, you just have a negative background. But I've done so many different things. I, you know, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a graduate of two HBCUs, Bowie State University for my undergrad and Howard University for my law degree. Um, I'm a former attorney. I was barred in the state of New York, practiced law, had my own firm um, before I got into some trouble. And then um, also I, I talk, I, it's, a, it's a book of poetry. I have 60 poems that I wrote both during this quarantine period and while I was incarcerated to kind of show people you know, that uh, the quarantine that we're experiencing now is kind of similar to being locked up. You know, you can't leave and you can't go where you want to go. You know, you can't uh, do what you want to do. And so we're trying to get that experience as a nation with this quarantine. But right now, nobody cares about that. They don't care about curfews or nothing right now uh, because racism is a real virus that has affected this country. So I talk about that as well in my book. So, And I also give some, some Bible verses that brought me through with a tough time. So it's really a holistic book. It's doing pretty well. A lot of people are starting to like it. I'm getting some good reviews. And, um, you know, it's just been a great journey that God has taken me through, you know, to have that experience of being a former lawyer, a former defendant, returning citizen, and now I'm an ordained minister and a pastor of my own church, online church community that I started called Faith with Works Church. And uh, we work with returning citizens and people that what we call the poor and the needy. Um, so, you know, anyone that's suffering through anything, that's what we're here for. We're not a church as in brick and mortar. We're more so um, a church that is just online, and we just lift each other up. We don't have a lot of people right now, but we're growing. And um, just praying that God continues to guide and keep me through my life and uh, continue to bless my endeavors. That's fantastic. Well, this platform right here is definitely getting your message uh, throughout the world, so they can definitely hear your voice and definitely hear um, what you're about. Um, and also, you you um, did a ministry while you were in jail, correct? Oh, yeah. I was. They, they, that's why I got the name uh, Pastor IU before I actually became an ordained minister. Uh, me and my, I had a cellmate. Uh, his name was Chop. Um, and me and Chop were kind of like the designated pastors of our unit, Southeast 3 in uh, D.C. jail, where I was incarcerated for about uh, five months. Five months. And, uh, and, I, led, and I led the uh, Bible study uh, for the entire unit. And we had it every single night um, that we could. And I was also a member of the Inmate Gospel Choir. You know, one thing that that I notice people have a, a misconception uh, about everybody that goes to jail or get incarcerated are bad people. How do you feel about that? Well, like I said before, I'm I'm a person. I don't call myself good or bad because the Bible tells us why callest thou me good? You know, there's none good save the Lord, save, save the Father. So, classifying a person whether it's good or bad is really nobody's job except for God, in my opinion. 
and according to the scriptures that I read. So, you know, you just have a lot of people that have made bad choices. And a lot of us, even who have never been in jail, have probably made choices that had things, one or two things gone a different way, they would have also ended up in jail, you know. In my case, if one or two things had gone a different way, I'd have a clean, spotless record and probably won't be talking to you right now. I'd have a good government job or a good corporate job, um, working on Wall Street where I worked. I actually did work at a Wall Street firm before, um, but due to my criminal background, you know, they kind of let me go when they when they found out about it. So, you know, that's that's just what it is. In this, in this country, we kind of demonize people for whatever reason. We try to find a reason to demonize people as though nobody makes mistakes. Um, but when I what I found is a lot more honorable people that were behind the walls than on this side of the wall. That's funny, but that that is so true because at least on that side of the wall, you gotta you gotta be true and 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 mean what you say and say what you mean because they won't accept anything other than that. Exactly, exactly. No, if, if you say you're gonna give a man a suit, you're gonna give him a bag of chips or whatever he did for you, you better be a man of your word. Oh, it's gonna be a problem. See, out here, you can dip and hide, and <laughs> it's gonna be, cons- be consequences. Huh? <laughs> exactly, consequences and repercussions. Trust and believe, you know. So you you got to be a man of your word. You got to be honest because people have your paperwork, you know. So you could tell me, oh yeah, you in here for this, but then I look at your paperwork. You know, that was that's a big thing coming out behind the wall. People want to know your paperwork, or they want to know if you're a snitch. If you snitched on one of their friends. You know, so people know everything about you, so you can't hide behind that wall. And especially me, putting myself out there as a man, man of God, you know, people came to me all the time and said, well, if you're such a man of God, why are you here? And I, and I had to tell him, and I told one young brother, he was like, he, he don't believe in any religions because he thinks that all of them are fake. And he was like, if I was a man of God, why was, what am I doing in jail? And I told him, I said, because even though I was created in this image, I operated outside of that. So I made mistakes. And when I told him that, he said, you know what, I appreciate your honesty. And that's the problem that we have from people of faith right now is that they're not being honest. They're making everything seem rosy, like they're 100% perfect because they're taller or they have a, uh, a position or a title in the church. They're a deacon, they're a pastor, they're an apostle, this, bishop, that. And because they, people say that because of that, they don't do anything wrong. That's far from the truth. Yeah. In fact, those of us who our men of God and put ourselves out there as leaders of the faith, we get tested even more by God. So, and since nobody is 100%, everybody is falling short of the glory of God, we're still making mistakes. I make I make mistakes even to this day. You know, but the difference is that when I make the mistakes, I know how to correct them. I know where to go to correct them. I know how to go turn my attention back to God. And that's what keeps me going. You know what I'm saying? So I, it's like I have the cheat code. Whereas other people, they may sin and, and then they just feel depressed or they go into a slump or they just feel guilty all day. I know to take that guilt and that pain that I feel and turn it to, and turn it to God. That's why I have, a, I have a, a, a song on my album called Face to Face, which I dedicated to George Floyd um, because it's about just that struggle of within, you know. And, like, for me, I tell people, even in my sermons, I tell them, like, you know, my three major sins – in my life, have been pride, greed, and lust. Those are the things that, that have been what the Apostle Paul said is a thorn in my flesh. You know, so it, those are the things that I've struggled with and I continue to struggle with, but I know where to go. I know that if I need to answer, if, I need, if, I, if I'm in a real deep slump, I know where to turn to. And even though I, I pray without season, I should try to pray as much as I can, I still feel that pain. And the song is about what do you do, you know, do you just, you know, it's called face-to-face because the hook goes, I want to talk to my God face-to-face as a man when he's speaking to his friend because I don't want to go to a middleman. I don't want to go to the confessional and talk to a priest about what it is. I want to go straight to God, you know, and I have direct lines through prayer to God, and that's what the whole song is about. And so, you know, that's my strong belief, and that's what I tell people is that that's how I'm getting through it. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect but I'm perfecting myself with the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's through my ministry that, cause right now I do ministry. Um, 
I worked with the National Reentry Network for Returning Citizens in D.C., uh, helping people that just coming home get jobs. I taught a class called Ready to Work, Ready for Work. Um, that we had 75% of the people that through that class got jobs, even though they all had criminal records, felonies, and everything. We even had people with murder convictions get jobs through that program. So, you know, we've been able to really be successful with that. And I still I don't work with them full time as I used to, but I still work with them and um, Mrs. Cordy Stewart and all the people there down there, Derek Nathan, Johnny's Harris, and all the people down at the at the uh, National Reentry Network. And then I also work with the Phoenix Ministry at New Bethel Baptist Church in D.C. Northwest D.C. with Dr. Roger Mitchell um, and Pastor Desper Nuttall, uh, who also went to Howard University School of Law. And I work with them. We go pretty much every week. Well, before this COVID hit, we were going every week to the uh, to the uh, every, excuse me, every other week to the D.C. jail to do Bible study with the brothers and sisters that were inside there. So, you know, like, the, the, I guess it's a long-winded answer just to answer your question that, no, all kinds of people are behind the walls and all kinds of people are outside of the walls. But we have to respect everybody no matter where they are. That's true. It seems like a lot of the people that's outside of the walls should be behind should be the ones behind the walls because they don't possess that thing called truth. And and as a man of color, you know, we've been we've been demonized from the beginning because in the beginning, uh, of course, we all know that they say that we were slaves and uh, we wasn't taught to read. And a lot of things about the black experience, man, I didn't learn until I was out of high school because all we heard about was George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. We wasn't taught anything right. about the contributions that that we made as a people. And uh, the, the term they use now is systematic injustices, but uh, that was going on since I was a little boy. And uh, it's still going on today. It's just went up a level or two or three. But the same things are still mm-hmm. out there. Right. You know, the only difference I could see right now was when I was a child, I had to go up in the balcony and sit in the mo- uh, sit in, uh, to watch the movies. I had to go through a fire escape and go up the side of the building to go to the balcony to watch a movie. Well, they do allow us to go through the front door now, but it's it's, it's things has really hasn't really changed now. So I'm um, I'm looking at this. Um, the protests and stuff that's going on, I'm sure that you see the stuff every day as well. And um, people are looking for a leader. They're looking for a leader. But I have reservations about that, too, because this country has been known to kill all our leaders. And as a people, and until we could unite and, and be one voice, I mean, with all the people, they can't kill all of us. They can make an attempt, but... Every time we put that one spokesman out there, look what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Bob Marley said, how long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? You know, in that song, Redemption Song, and that's, that's the truth, you know. But this is a new age. This is the age of social media. There, there's no more leader. There's no Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, that's just going to stand up there and talk. Right now, if you go to any of these protests, it's everybody talks. Everybody has something to say. So it's not about being a leader anymore. It's about how can you support. And that's where I just sent out an email. Uh, and I did an article uh, that I just posted about the top three things we can do to support change. And one of the main things was we have to reevaluate who we support because our support is everything. You know, businesses thrive on the support. We can see that now that the COVID-19 has wrapped you know, gotten a hold of this country, which we're not even talking about anymore. But, you know, that's caused people to, to stop supporting certain businesses, restaurants, hotels, airlines. And so we see how powerful our support is. We can put major multi-billion dollar companies into bankruptcy if we stop supporting them. So we as a black people and minorities, we have almost $4 trillion of spending power. So I'm supporting the Blackout Tuesday, where on July, the, I think it's July the 7th, we're not spending a dime in this in this country. We're not spending a dime. And let them see, you know, if they're going to keep killing our brothers and sisters, then we're not going to keep supporting them until they support us. And I put in that article that we need to evaluate if you're, if a company that you frequently uh, support or like a celebrity that you support and they haven't said not one thing about what's going on, 
Violence is violence. We learn it. And people are learning. If you're not for us, you're against us. That's even that's a biblical uh, strategy. If you're not for us, you're against us. Because if you're if, you, if we're supporting you, the black people supporting you, and we we used to buy Tommy Hilfiger, we used to buy Polo Ralph Lauren, we used to do all those things, and then they come out and say they didn't even want black people to buy their clothes. You see what I'm saying? Right. We still getting my money. That, that that's 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 insane. But what's happening right now, what I'm trying to, and I'm trying to put out there, I even put it out there on Twitter. I said, I want to take my book off of Amazon because I don't hear Jeff Bezos say anything about this. I want to take my book off of Amazon and sell it myself if my people will support me. The problem is, will they support me? And I think right now we have to focus on a lot of different things because, you know, we can't just focus on the police killing black people. Because we know that that's been happening. That was how the police was created. The slave catchers were the first police. So, to the, to the slave catchers, they they've been doing their job. They've been doing what they supposed they were created to do. But then we got banks that won't give us small business loans. We put all of our money in them, but we won't put money in a black bank like Industrial Bank here in D.C. You know, the the Doyle family has been having that. It's almost a hundred years they had that bank. And we, we'll put all our money in Bank of America, and Bank of America won't give us not one dime in a loan, but take our money willingly. So we, need to, we need to remove. We need to set ourselves apart. You know, even the Bible says, come out of her, my people. We got to come, come out of this society until this society supports us. Look at the NFL. It took for the, the, the people, the brothers in the NFL, to come together and put a video out to force Roger Goodell to say he was sorry what they did to Colin Kaepernick. And he, he still hasn't mentioned Colin Kaepernick. He just said he was sorry for what they did about the protests and the kneeling. But when he was talking that, we ignored it until now it's popular. But it's up to us to make these things popular. And that's what I'm talking about in my book. And that's what I'm talking about even when I talk to anybody or go to a protest or whatever I try to do. You know, I'm talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's empowerment of ourselves. Because we got to understand that this is even, this is the end times. You know, a lot of people will tell you that, oh, it's the last days and this and that. And it it kind of seems like it's far off. But, no, we live in a, we're under a plague. We're we under unrest. we under people. People are turning against each other. We got a president in office who is building a barricade around the White House like he's scared or he thinks something's going to happen, you know. And we got people in the streets every single day protesting, and they're not going to stop. I don't see any reason why we should stop. Until black people are fully supported in this country, until white people recognize that black lives matter, until until banks and and financial institutions realize that the black dollar is worth something and they need to respect it or else they won't get the seat anymore, then we shouldn't stop. We should be out there. I'm going out there on Monday, tomorrow, to a, a protest. Question for you, Pastor. I mean, how real do you mm-hmm. think this uh, pandemic is? Because I see all the protesters out there, and 50% of them don't have masks on. So, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the end of days and and and, and this world coming to what we were told it was going to come to. Um, but are, are you a little bit concerned about that? Does that resonate with you at all? I mean, with this pandemic going on and, and the, prote- the protests going around the world and people not really taking this virus thing serious. How you feel about that? Well, my answer to that is um, when I, I think about Passover. And if you understand the story of Passover, it comes from when the last plague, um, when God sent the, the, the angel of death to the Egyptians and to the Israelites who were slaves, and they had to put the blood of the, of the slain lamb on their doorpost so the angel of the devil passed over their house. That's why they call it Passover, um, because they passed over the house. What, what I see right now is that we have to – the reason I call it the end of days is not to scare you, but if you're a righteous person, if you're somebody that's striving to be righteous, this is the best time of your life. You know, I'm, I'm – I'm, living really the best time of my life, even in the midst of this pandemic, because I believe in something. I believe in God. and He's really stepping up. And see, the people that are covered by the blood of the lamb, you know, 
the death angel of coronavirus will pass over them. I strongly believe that, you know, because we're here for a reason. If if, if it's your time to go, you're going to go. And that's what the young people in this in this country are realizing. They're not worried about no COVID-19. If it's my time to go, I'm ready to go, but I'm not going to live stuck in my house when this, pan, when this pandemic of racism and injustice is going on. That's more important than my life. People are willing to die right now. And that's what it means when it's the end of days. It's because people are no longer scared. People are no longer scared of the influence of the devil. You see what I'm saying? And that's, that's what I strongly believe. You know, if I go out, I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to wear some gloves and all that good stuff. But I'm not scared of a, of a coronavirus. Because even if, even if I get the coronavirus infected in me, I believe in a God that's the ultimate healer. By his stripes, I'm healed. So it, a, a, a disease has no power over me. But God is showing the world that when have you seen the Times Square empty or the city of Tokyo empty or everybody's shut down in their house? And it's not by a, a, a big bomb or a big plane or a big tank. It's a tiny invisible virus that snuffed out almost half a million people in the world, you see? But there's people that, that got the virus and recovered. And there's people that never got the virus at all, like myself and other people in my family. It hasn't touched my family, and it won't touch my family because my family's covered by the blood of the lamb. And I strongly believe that. And I believe that anybody who does believe that will also be healed. And even if, even if the virus touches you, and even if you die from the virus, I'm not afraid of that either because I know where I'm going. And see, with that, when you had that faith, when you walk by faith and not by sight, you actually begin to have a power that you didn't know you already had. You walk with an authority that you didn't know you had. And that authority comes from the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to get too preachy with you, but you know, hey, you you put a pastor on, you know, that's what that's what you're going to get. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's serious right now because, you know, the young people in this country of all races and ethnicities are rising up, and they don't care about that the, the right. virus that was on the news. Almost 100% of the news was coronavirus up until George Floyd. And how about it? A black man that was that was a no name person. Three weeks ago is now the rallying cry of the world, and um, and I'm also going to share something with you too. I actually um, am coming out with a new album that that's going to be uh, coming out soon. I'll tell you more about it later if you want, but um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a rallying cry for the people that really believe that it's time for justice. I want I want to make an anthem that they can that they can rally around. Because music is really the key to all things, and music is more than just the the, the the instrumentals. Music also contains the word, and if you believe in the Bible, then you know the word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And because of that, you know, we're able to move and we're able to do things. We have able to have that authority I talked about because we have the word. If you read the Bible, called, even in my book, I, I have a specific chapter called The Armor of God, where I highlight that the verse. Um, and the verses that say what the arm of God is, and, the, and that's Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. But it says that the sword of the spirit, the sword, the weapon that the spirit uses is the word of God. So it's all about the word. And if people really have that word in their hearts, you're unstoppable. I've always said that music is the international language that's able to elicit many emotions out of people, depending on the lyrical content. Mhm. Yeah. You said some powerful things about uh, this, the, the young generation. They're not as passive as a lot of the, uh, the older uh, people. And uh, they're out there trying to make some changes happen, like right about now, and they're not going to settle for anything less. And uh, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of wondering and scratching my head every day when I watch these protests. You know, uh, power. You know, power. The only thing that can change power is absolute power. And the people that control the power base now, they're not going to go away quietly into the night. So I'm just wondering. What is really going to have to happen to really see some real changes? 
we, we're going to have to not stop. They waited for us. See, Donald Trump put that barrier up, and the racist white America is being silent right now, unless you start watching Fox News. And if you hear some of the stuff that Fox News is saying, you'll be just shocked at how racist this country is, for real, for real. But I'm not shocked uh, because I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I – I don't think I'd be shocked because I come from I come from a little mm-hmm. small town where I was I was up face close and personal with it. So you know what I mean. A lot mm-hmm. of people talk about it, but they haven't really experienced it personally when they had to drink water out right. of a colored fountain. You know they they don't know that, but you know I was born in a time where I I know that where I had to watch my father say yes sir and no sir to a white man that was half his age. And I was looking at my dad like he was crazy, you know what I'm saying? But, that, you know, I had came to California mm-hmm. at that time and went back to Texas, and I'm looking at my dad, you know, saying yes, sir, and no, sir, to to a white guy that was his junior. And, uh, you know, I just didn't understand it. But then later on in life, I understand that was just the, the era that he came up in. You know what I mean? Right. So a, a lot of people don't really understand how, how deep it is. And then, you know, that takes me back to what I was just saying. The people that had power um, that's ran this, and I always say, too, the person that created the game also made the rules. So it's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. how this change is going to really happen. And like I said, these kids nowadays, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just don't care. So that's going to be the power that I think we're really going to have to see to really facilitate change. Yeah, they're, they're waiting for us to stop. And I, my, my hope and prayer is that we don't stop. We go right back out there every single day until – and I'm not, even, I'm not even satisfied with replacing uh, Donald Trump with Joe Biden. I'm not satisfied with that. You know, that's just an, another old white man. For one another, for one old another old white man, you know, and I'm not doing right. this as a racial thing, but I'm I'm saying, uh, the uh, old white man has no idea what a young black man is going through. He has no clue. I don't care if he was the I vice know. president to Obama. Yeah, he, he he doesn't he doesn't have no clue. So unless he goes in the office and starts making concrete changes, we shouldn't stop. We should be on the street every single day. People ain't got no jobs because of this coronavirus. People ain't got, uh, you know, you know they don't, they don't have businesses starting up. They don't have any other options. They, they, need to be, they need to be out there in the streets, and I'm going to support them. And I'm going to make an anthem for the streets with my new album because I, I, it's about that time that even our art, you know, we shouldn't be supporting even music, musicians or artists or record labels. You know, we, you know, it's always been a gatekeeper. You know this being in the entertainment industry. There's always been gatekeepers that decide who goes in and who who becomes famous and not. And what ha- what's happening in hip-hop, which is what I've been trying to go against, is the fact that they want us to put negative stereotypes about ourselves, meaning black people, you know, talking about we're gangsters and guns. and do- See, that that's why I changed the game. Because even me with my gospel trap, I've been, in, I've been around the killers. I've been around the, the, the drug dealers and all that. I, I know the kind of people they are. That's why I said there's some more honorable people behind the walls than in front of the wall. Because, you know, I met some drug dealers that, that I would trust with my daughter before I trust some lawyers that I know. You know? Right. Because of who, who they are as a, as a and character. And I think that right now, people need to hear. It's like, okay, well, if you if you need somebody who has street cred, I got that. But I'm not coming with the same message that the rest of these guys with street cred come with. I'm coming with the street cred that says, yeah, I did that. I was in the streets with them people. I did those things. I did some things I won't tell you nobody about. But I also took that same mentality, that street mentality, and that go hard and that, that toughness and put it mixed with my faith and the strength that comes and the authority that comes from God and having faith in God. And I'm not even just talking to Christians. My my message is not for the Christians. My message is for the people that call themselves spiritual. My message is for the people that say they don't believe in God. My message is for the people that say that the church has failed them. Because the Christians and, and the Muslims and whoever, you know, all those people have their own set of beliefs. And when you start dealing in, like, Christian, the, the genre of Christian hip-hop, you know, people try to judge you based upon your lyrics 
well, you didn't sing God a hundred times in your song, so you're not really a Christian hip-hop artist. I've heard that before. One person told me I was a, I was a, a false prophet because I, I was using rap music as my medium, you know? Wow. So what did, I, what did I do? Instead of coming with the rap music, I put my lyrics in a book. So it's not, I'm not beholden, I'm not, I'm not, because I'm an independent artist, I'm not beholden to anybody. Nobody tells me how many albums I have to make in a given year. I decide that. I decide if I want to take my lyrics and instead of putting them on beats, I can put them into a book and put the book out here. You know, I've even taken some of my books and I donated five of my books because, you know, George Floyd has five children and I sent them to uh, his lawyer. I sent him five copies of my book. I want his kids to have my book free of charge. Because I, I want them to be inspired to know that they can overcome this. Like, if you see the, the video of his daughter, George Floyd's daughter, where she said, Daddy changed the world, that touched me. And so I said, let me just send out my book for free to his children so they can be uplifted during this time, you know. Because I'm real about this. I'm serious about this. I'm not, I'm not in this for fame or for money or anything like that. I'm not in this for that. I'm in this because, number one, music is my passion. Number two, art is my passion. Number three, Jesus and God and my faith is my passion. And I'm combining all of them together to make, you know, to help the world. Maximum assistance to my fellow man, you know. And I think I just want to say this as well, man. I think guys like yourself, I think you have more of an impact on on this generation because of your past. I mean, you're not you're not talking the talk, but you've walked the walk. You've been through it. You know what I mean? You've been through the street thing. And uh, a lot of these kids running around here sagging and all that stuff, they really don't know what's up. They they really don't, you know. So they'll hear you and understand you more than they would from somebody that haven't been through any of some of the things that you've been through, you know. And I can hear it in your voice, you know. You know what's up from both sides of the track. And um, that's that's powerful, man. That's a powerful testimony, man. And hopefully our listeners, man, will take that and and digest it. And, and, and look at themselves a whole different way, you know. And like I said earlier in the show, God didn't make, you know, perfect people. We're all prone to make mistakes, and a lot of us end up in jail that didn't make mistakes. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And because of the right. way society is set up, because of the way society is set up, you know, they didn't really have a voice, you know. And, you know, even if they had a public pretender, which is better known as a public defender, you know, they still get caught up and get sent to jail for something that, that they uh, a white person or another person of color, you know, they wouldn't have to, to, to deal with. You know, so, you know, I applaud you on your voice. I applaud you on your message, man. And, and, and I know it, the people that are not asleep don't hear you. And I say that a lot, too, on my shows. You know, just because people are walking around every day with their eyes open don't mean that they're not asleep. Mm. And don't, 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 don't they say that stay woke? That's what it means. Stay woke. You gotta you gotta have your eyes, your third eye open, as they say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, tell tell us this, man. Well, man, wait one second though. For our listeners that's joined us, uh, if you got any questions for Doctor IU, just press number one on your phone. We'd be glad to let you in. I'm sure he'll fill your questions, so don't be shy. You know, this is a conversation, and we're talking about some heavy stuff that can change lives. So if you got something you want to say, press number one and speak your mind. All right, I just had to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. So tell us, uh, you know, what are some of the authors and uh, artists that uh, influence you? But that's my second question. My, let me go back to my first question. My first question, before your incarceration, uh, were you on the same mission, or did you have another mindset prior to your incarceration? Well, prior to that, I was all about making money, and that's probably one of my my biggest um, changes in my thought pattern, because I thought it was all about making the most money. You know, um, I even had uh, uh, I was I was married before, I have a six year old daughter right now, and uh, because of my chasing of money. You know, that relationship fizzled out, got a divorce, they moved, and, um, you know, so I, it, it taught me a lot more about, you know, what what really matters. And what I think about is, you know, the most important thing to me is 
how my six-year-old daughter sees me and the legacy that I leave for her. You know, that's the most important thing. If, even if I die broke, you know, I don't want to die broke because I want to be able to leave her something. So that's the main reason for my, my entrepreneurial ventures that I am uh, that I do now. But um, before I was, this was most recent incarceration, I, I just, just came home a year ago, May of 2019. And before that, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, had kind of, I was kind of in and out of Christianity. I talked it, but I didn't walk it. But what has happened since this incarceration period is that I'm starting to walk it now. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is showing me a different way of life and it's showing me that, like I said, legacy is the most important thing. What do what am I leaving? I can make all the money in the world, but I can't take it with me. So the only thing that I can take with me is my name. And that's why the Bible said a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. Because your name lives on. Look at the name of George Floyd. You know? Nobody's asking how much money did he make in his life. Nobody's looking in his bank account right now. But his name, when you hear his name, it's a rallying cry throughout the world. And that's what, and it's, and it's just a biblical truth. And so I'm worried about my name. I'm worried about Wayme Ayu, whether you call me a pastor, whether you call me doctor, whether you call me Esquire, whether you call me uh, whatever you call me. It doesn't matter. But it's, what does that name mean? I want it to mean something. I want it to stand for something. I wanted to stand for change. I wanted to stand for salvation. I wanted to stand for, you know, a person that can, no matter where you are in your life, you can turn it around if you believe in God. That's what, my, that's what I want my name to stand for. I don't want my name to stand for money. But I believe that if I seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, he's going to add all those things to me. I'm going to have all that, you know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm very, my book is doing pretty well these days, you know. So I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing well for myself now. Even though I don't have a job, I have a business now, you know, but I still have a ministry. And my ministry is going well, but it has nothing to do with how much money is in my bank account. But the Bible even says that he will meet all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So the riches that I have are the riches that my father had, my father in heaven. That's my inheritance. My inheritance is salvation. And that's more important than money. And so I'm changing my whole focus on money. And I'm changing my whole focus on my life to legacy. And that's what, I, that's, that's what I preach, and that's what I want everybody to think about is what is your legacy? When you leave this earth, what does your name mean to people? Is, does it mean the person who had a nine-to-five job, or does it mean that you made an impact on people's lives? And that's so important, too, because I say every day that when my life is over, uh, I want to know that my life meant something more than walking around stepping on ants every day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that may sound small to some people, but there are people that's in this world that really don't have no purpose. They don't have no mission. They don't know what they're doing from day to day, and and they just walking around. They call themselves living, but they really not. They don't know the difference. Right. That's very true. So you know. I'm just fortunate that I have this platform and been able to stick with it for the past 14 years, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm always inspired. Like I said, when I talk to guys such as yourself that, you know, we've been through a lot of the same things and, and we're still here and we could touch people in a way that uh, even the president can't touch them because, you know, we didn't come from uh, uh, rich beginnings that we got to screw up multiple times and, still here and and still talking out of the side of their neck. You know, the things that we went through, we could actually touch people and our, and our voice and our words and the things that we do actually resonate a whole different way, and people are going to remember these things long after we're gone. Right. Right. You're absolutely correct about that. Absolutely correct about that. So my, that, that that's what it's all about. Yeah, so my other question was for you, uh, Pastor, was what other authors and, and artists have influenced you on your journey? Well, artists, um, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I, you know, my favorite uh, hip-hop artist uh, was Jay-Z. I just liked the way he uh, put words together. Um, but then artists like Lecrae, how he was able to use the word and uh, also sound – uh, in line with the modern artists, 
I like um, I listen to a lot of T.D. Jake as far as sermons on YouTube. T.D. Jake, Pastor Mike Todd out of Tulsa. I'm really into him these days. And um, authors, uh, Dave Ram. I'm reading the book by Dave Ramsey, and I'm reading the book by T.D. Jakes right now. Those are my two main books that I'm reading, and I'm learning to read a lot. And also, uh, Dr. James Gills, he does a lot of Christian books, and I read almost I think I'm always reading a book by him. I have so many books by him. I, I read him a lot when I was incarcerated. So he had this book called Overcoming Spiritual Blindness that really made me look at everything a different way. So, you know, those are people that really inspired me to do what I'm doing. And then, of course, I, I read my book. I read my book almost uh, every day. I read at least one poem. I don't know. Would, would you mind if I read a poem out of my book right now? No, I was just going to ask you to do that. I was going to ask you to share one of your poems with the listeners. Okay. Let me um this this is one I wrote uh that I dedicated to uh all the people, Joy Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. So I'll read it. It goes like this. Sermons filled with blessings, transcendent. Black males in abundance, women independent. Over one third classified as defendant. Wife the plaintiff, child support, what a strange gift. Peace to the courts for this wonderful arrangement. Split by divorce, now I'm no good, of course. Walking through the valley with the shadow behind me. Police pursue me, now it's too hard to find me. They want to play back the past, rewind me. My future is in God's hands, please align me. Add then subtract, multiply and divide. Get to my square root, the lion inside. Shots fired. We attract an attention, violence prevention in central detention facilities, undermining my abilities. Tomorrow, another brother turned history. Who will it be? And that's called sermon. Wow, definitely jewels for thought. Amen. Definitely jewels for thought. Throw, throw your name out there. I mean, throw the name of your book out there again for the people. Okay, yeah, my name is Wamey Ayu, Pastor Wamey Ayu, and the book is called Home is What You Make It, Poems from Quarantine, and it's, uh, I'm running a special on it right now, it's 30% off, it's not even as expensive, it's only about $12 for the uh, paperback, $7 for the uh, ebook, and then um, the audio book should be released soon, so we're waiting on that, um, but it's welcome to anybody. Um, if you want a personal autograph, um, autograph copy, they can contact me at uh, contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at 53cell.com, 53-C-E-L-L.com. Something else I was going to ask you, from your, your, your legal background, another thing that I wondered about our justice system, uh, guys that that that's been through the system, why are we uh, why why are we not allowed to correct uh, the record or get rid of that stigma? Uh, I don't really understand that. It seems like that's a way uh, for it to follow you through your whole life. You know, I, I don't understand that. What's your thought on that? Well, I have a big thought on that because uh, you'd be surprised. Um, I, that's why I've got into entrepreneurship because with my criminal record as an attorney. I can't get a job in the legal field because everybody, every, every single person, every single job wants to do a background check. They want you to have a clean background to be in the legal field. And I totally disagree with that because I think that the, the, the lawyers that never have been through anything, they treat the criminal defendants like trash. You know, um, I happen to have a good lawyer from, from, from my last case, Mr. Chris Gowan. But um, other people, they get lawyers that are just willing to just, just plead them guilty no matter what the problem is. I was actually a jailhouse lawyer, <laughs> so to speak, because I was actually a lawyer and I was in the jailhouse. And I helped a lot of brothers in telling them, you know, don't take the first plea bargain, you know, because they just want to railroad you. They don't even need, ha- need to have evidence, you know. They'll just put any kind of charge on you and expect you to plead it down because you don't know the law. So I used to counsel brothers. I, I got a few brothers out, about three brothers. I got them released based upon me telling them what to say to their lawyers. And then that's when I learned. I just saw so many people in there. They told me the stories. 
about how their lawyer didn't even really ask him if they did it or not. He just came with a plea bargain. <laughs> didn't wow. even want to know whether they did the crime or not. He just said, well, the, the, the prosecutor said they want you to plead to three years and try to convince them to take it because they get paid whether you win or lose. So they're, they're, they're looking to get this, the things settled the fastest way possible. And they don't care if you have to do time in jail. They figure you're black, so you'll be used to it. Or you have a criminal record, so you're used to it. And they don't have any feelings. But me being in there with them, I had the compassion to really fight for them and to show them what and really educate them on the law. So we used to have classes. I used to hold classes for some of the brothers and teach them the law while I was in there. You know, and a lot of them got out now. They're doing well. They're doing fine because of that. But we need, but we we need, we need to, we need to eliminate. DC's doing something. They're talking about ban the box where they don't act. They, it's illegal for them to ask you about the criminal history without offering you the job first. You know, so that's one good thing that DC's doing. But it needs to be more widespread. Definitely, definitely. Because what I'm hearing too, a lot of times the people are guilty. Before, they say you're innocent until proven guilty, but the way that they operate, you're already guilty, and they're not even thinking about fighting for your your freedom or fighting to win the case. You know, they're concerned about their paycheck, and you're just another person on their caseload to get them paid at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. And so that has to stop, man, we, uh, and I'm, I'm fighting for that, too. It, well, I'm, I'm going to help you fight for that one. But listen, man, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, man, and I know you're going to be coming back through at a later date so we can hear some of your music so we can put that on our listeners. And uh, I definitely want to thank you for coming through and sharing your, your, your journey with us. And, again, I hope our listeners take some of this stuff away with you and uh, from you and put it into put it into play in their daily life, you know. And the, the goal is to be better than we were yesterday. Amen. Yes, sir. And uh, for those who joined the show late, it'll be available in its entirety in the next couple of minutes. So you have no excuses for not hearing this show. And if you have problems, ask your mom or ask your daddy, ask the neighbor across the street, or ask the painter down the street. <laughs> but somebody that know how to get it, so you don't have no excuse. But uh, Pastor IU, I thank you much, man, and continue to stay healthy and continue doing all the good work. Well, thank you, Mr. Patterson, and uh, kudos to you and Olivia. Olivia was great helping me get everything together. So, uh, kudos to both of y'all for what y'all are doing. I love the show, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep listening. All right, I appreciate it, man, and uh, we'll see you soon, so we can put your music on our listeners. And everybody will be back yes, next Sunday, same time, two thirty, PST. Stay safe. Walk around with your eyes open. Quit walking around like you sleep. Hey, hey, hey. God is good, 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 good. Yeah. Could have that been for the Lord of my life. Brought me through. Toil, snare, trap. Yeah.
my bitch. 